0: So today, week four, um, this is a message that I wish I had been told 20 years ago. This is a message that I honestly believe will be the, uh, the crux for this whole series. This will bring you clarity. This will bring you healing. This will bring you, I guess, hope for a way forward if you feel like you're stuck or have ever felt stuck in your faith. Today, we're going to talk about the wall. And not Pink Floyd's famous album. Um, some of you are impressed that I know that reference. You're welcome. You're welcome. The wall. Most people don't understand that growth and maturity in Christ requires us to move through this wall. If we are to grow in our walk with Jesus, if we are to mature as disciples, it hinges upon us moving through this wall moving past this wall, which all of us will face. It's inevitable, no if buts, or maybes, but how we pass through this determines whether we get healthier and stronger and closer to Jesus, or whether we just fall in a heap. And I don't know about you, but when I started my Christian journey, when I became a Christian and followed Jesus, that was a lifetime long commitment. That wasn't a, while things are easy and God is good, then I'll follow you. It's like, no, no, it's, it's like a, the same commitment I made to my wife. Through sickness and through health, through better for worse, we're together. And I want to finish my life stronger in my relationship with Jesus than it was when I first started. And it's not easy to do that. It's not all tiptoeing through the, the tulips and smell the flowers. There are seasons that are really, really, really tough. And they're called the wall. So before we look at the wall, we're going to look at six stages of faith that in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro will unpack for us. And you might be able to relate to these stages of faith. Stage one is what he calls a life-changing awareness of Christ. So this stage is when when you or I become a Christian and we cross that line of faith and we start to follow God. We have this life-changing awareness that we need God that there is a void inside of us that that can't be fulfilled with the pleasures of this world but can only be fulfilled by God himself, that we are desperately in need of his grace, his love, his mercy in order to be all that he has designed us to be. And so like I said, we cross that line of faith, we we become a Christian and we have this life-changing awareness. And once that happens, we step into stage two in our journey of faith, which is discipleship where we start to put disciplines and habits in place uh, that help us in this following of Jesus' life we have chosen to live. And things like we start to read the Bible, we start to go to church, get involved in a community of faith, we might start to tithe and trust God with our finances, we might start to pray more, worship, we might, instead of listening to the radio, put worship in our car, and, and we start to put these practices of discipline and habits in our life as part of following Jesus. Step three is then the active life. So we take what we've learnt and grown in in the stages of discipleship to the next level of identifying what gifts has God uniquely given me that I can serve him with by serving other people. And so it could be, I've, I'm, I'm quite hospitable, I'm quite friendly, or I'm going to serve on the front door and the hello crew and welcome people into church. Or I'm really good with kids, so I'm going to use this gift of being great with kids to serve kids and ultimately serve Jesus by doing so. Or it could be the gift of music, could be the gift of sound, could be whatever it is, we start to discover our gifts and use them to serve God. And so we grow, we mature, it's awesome. And then we get to stage four, After following, we choose to follow Jesus. We start to put these things in place. We worship, we pray, we start to serve, we do all this stuff, we give, and then bang, the wall. We're faced with this wall. And some of you already know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you aren't there yet, but you will be. So save this message for a future time when you need it. But you come against the wall. And this wall, we're going to unpack in a moment what that wall might look like. But this wall almost stops you spiritually in your tracks. And it forces you to journey within yourself to go, God, get into the deep recesses of my identity and my soul, into the, 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 the very core of who I am and bring to the surface all the things that need healing and freedom from because this wall, this circumstance, this crisis that I'm facing is really either going to make me or break me. And so it's not about us climbing over the wall or trying to move the wall. It's about journeying within us to see how do we grow and mature and get healthier through this so we can push through the wall by the power of the Spirit and by us working on some stuff to get to step five in our journey of faith, which is the journey outward. So we hit the wall, we go inward, Once we've processed all that emotional stuff and spiritual stuff, then we go outward again. But this time we have a a greater sense of God's presence with us, a greater sense of God's nearness, a greater sense of God's love that has transformed our world, that we have this sense of confidence to go about all the things we've been about, but with a deeper sense of God's closeness. And then eventually we get to step six, which is the life changing, um, sorry, it's the transformed into love stage. So this is where we've processed through the wall, we've grown deeper in God, and then we get to a point where we are completely transformed by His love that no matter what might happen in our world, the perfect love that is in us casts out all fear and so we can handle almost any circumstance. And that's why you will see mature men and women of faith uh, who have gone through the hard yards who when they face crisis they don't crumble because they have been through the wall, they've journeyed outward, and now they have been transformed into love and know that if he who is with me is greater than he is in the world. And so when people oppose them, when people uh, ridicule them, they can love them. They can love the enemy. They know they've got this groundedness, this, this confidence in God that will get them through any season or situation that they might find themselves in. So these are the six phases or stages or seasons, if you like, of faith. Let's go back to stage four. Today's message, the wall. What is the wall? The wall is something that appears through a crisis. It's, it's something that turns our world upside down. It's unexpected. It usually blindsides us. But it is significant. It's different, different from a trial, right? Like James talks about, hey, consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Trials in that sense, we're talking about um, the car breaks down. okay. Um, you know, you might um, have a boss at work that annoys you. That's pretty bad. I get that. Or, or the kids are fighting constantly. And okay, they're, they're trials. That's not the wall. The wall that that this is speaking of looks more like a divorce. It looks more like losing your job or your career. The death of a family member or a close friend. A cancer diagnosis. A disillusioning church experience. A betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that goes unfulfilled, or a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. And what happens in these moments when we face this wall that just all of a sudden catches us out of nowhere, we start to question. We start to question, God, where are you? How could you allow this to happen? I've served you faithfully. I, I, I've had a life-changing awareness of you, God, and I've started to practice the things of the faith and I've started to give and I've, I've started to serve and then all of a sudden, how could you allow this to happen in my world? We question ourselves, like what have I done to get us here? What have I done to deserve this? You know, Am I not all I thought I was to be and what about all the stuff I've done and, and is that just for nothing because here I find myself in absolute despair? We start to question the church well, if only they had done this or if only the church was this or, or what's even the point of church really? Is it all just a, a bunch of happy, clappy people that really are just come along for the religious thrills and that's all it really is? And we find ourselves in this moment with the wall having far more questions than we have answers for. We find ourselves at the point of uh, almost like a crisis of faith where our relationship with Jesus hangs in the balance of these life-altering moments. The very foundation of our faith is on the line. It feels like for the first time, our faith just doesn't work. We used to be able to pray and get breakthrough. We used to be able to worship and feel the breakthrough. We used to be able to come to church and feel like God would move powerfully and we'd move beyond these things. But now the wall is so large and intimidating, we start to even question our faith altogether as if it doesn't even work. And this is not a, this is not a, 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 a modern phenomenon. This is something that, is, that the church, Christians like you and I, have struggled with for, for centuries. This is not a result of, we live in an Instagram, TikTok world that is just so high-paced and we've got so much information at our fingertips and so because we're bombarded with information all the time, we just find ourselves stressed out and overworked and, and so therefore we, we just melt. No, 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 this is, this is stuff that we as people have faced throughout generations. In fact, 500 years ago, um, St. John of the Cross, a, a, a Spanish Catholic priest, coined the phrase, the dark night of the soul, to describe this very thing. That it feels like, like the sun has set on our soul and it's become dark. But the good news is, the dawn will come, the sun will rise again. But in that moment, when we feel far from God, the wall is there, it feels like, We are in absolute darkness and despair. Richard Foster, in his book Celebration of Discipline, which we looked at a couple of years ago, um, describes the dark night of the soul or the wall like this. He said, There's often a temptation to seek release from it by blaming everyone and everything else for the inner dullness that we experience. The preacher becomes boring. The worship songs are too weak, too wordy, or too weird. The Sunday service is dull. We might begin to then look around to other churches or experiences to give us a spiritual goosebump. This is a serious mistake. Recognise the dark night for what it is. Recognise the wall for what it is. Be grateful that God is lovingly drawing you away from every distraction so that you can see him more clearly. Rather than chafing or fighting, become still and wait. This is not the dullness of spirit that comes as a result of sinful disobedience, but he's the person who is seeking hard after God and who harbors no known sin in his heart. So this is talking about you and I, decent Christian folk who love Jesus, come to church, serve him, pray, and all of a sudden it feels like the rug's being pulled out from under us. Now sometimes you can feel like that if you're living consciously in sin. And so I would say, well, that's not the dark night of the soul, that's not the wall, that's you having to process uh, Repentance and walking away from your sin. So, so sin will make our, our spirit feel cloudy, sin will disconnect that closeness we feel to God. So we've got to deal with that, but this is not what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about, just regular folk like us. And when it comes to breaking through this wall, the first thing we need to understand is, God is love, absolutely. And according to 1 Corinthians 10:13, God will not give us more than we can bear. And here's how I know that to be true. Because you might think right now you're, you're facing the wall and it is more than you can bear, more than you can handle. I'm telling you it's not because God deeply loves you and he promises that he will never give you any more than you can handle. Here's how I know that to be true. Is because the promise that Jesus gives us in the Great Commission to go into all the world make disciples to actually be followers of him comes with a promise. And he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So you can't tell me that your thing, your wall, your weight that you're carrying is heavier than God can handle. And if he's with you, who can be against you? So that's why when we find ourselves with things that are absolutely overwhelming us, we can actually smile in the face of this because God is with us and he will help us carry this burden. We are not alone. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But he will always provide a way through that for us if we trust in him and go through the process of maybe looking deep within us to see what do we need to work on in order to come through stronger and healthier on the other side. Is this making sense? Is this helping people? Like I said, I wish I'd heard this 20 years ago. It would make the walls that I've faced throughout my life a lot easier to process and get through. So here's four things from the book, that help us know if we're making progress through the wall. The first thing is this. We have a greater level of brokenness. And that might sound weird or what? In other words, we have a greater level of, our, of the awareness of our frailty, the awareness of our brokenness, the awareness of our humanness. We, we don't have this self-inflated view of ourselves like we can conquer the world because we are awesome. We realize that without Jesus, we are actually nothing. Jesus' first words in in his Sermon on the Mount is, blessed are the poor in spirit. So in other words, blessed are those who have had the root of self-righteousness taken out from them that they realize that they are in desperate need of a Savior. And then he he says in the book, one one way that you know that um, you have an awareness of your brokenness is how easily you're offended. If you're easily offended, then chances are there's, there's a pride in your life that thinks of yourself high, more highly than you ought because somebody else's criticism hurts that view or project, projection of yourself that you put out there. But when we realize that we're all sinners saved by grace, when someone says something about us, we can say back to them, you know what, I'm not offended. You don't even know the half of it. I am way worse than you think I am. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? Like, try harder. I, you're not even close to how bad I am. I am a sinner in need of God's grace and God's mercy, and it's only because of his mercy I can stand here today being a follower of Jesus. But if we're offendable, if we're easily offended, it's because we have this self-righteousness that thinks of ourselves a little bit better than what we, maybe think, we ought to think of ourselves, And so somebody else's judgment tries to attack that self-image of ourselves that needs to be laid down at the foot of the cross. We realize it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So you can't offend me because me, I'm dead. That root of self-righteousness that thinks I'm awesome, that's dead with Christ. No, he doesn't, doesn't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. So we have a greater sense of our brokenness. How do we know if we're making progress through the wall? Two point two. we have a greater appreciation for holy unknowing. What does that mean? It means we can appreciate the mystery of God. We can rest in not having to have all of our ducks lined up perfectly. We can trust that God is faithful. In fact, we, can, we, we, we rest in the knowledge that he is worthy of our trust. That even though we don't see things like he sees things, even though we, we can't see the future play out, we've got to trust that the plans he has for us are good and that he will turn all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We can live more easily and more freely on the other side of the wall when we give God control and rest in the fact that we trust him. Point three. How do we know we're making progress? We have a deeper ability to wait for God. Going through the wall breaks something deep in us. That driving, grasping, fearful self-will that must produce, that must make something happen, that must prove itself, that must get stuff done just in case God doesn't. That breaks when we go through the wall. That striving, that that inner turmoil, that busyness. I've got to prove myself. I've got to do this. I've got to be this. And we get to, to slow our spirits down. And in my observation, I think that's one of the problems we, I, I see in the church today, is that it's not that people are, are walking away from Jesus, and they are, it's that they're walking ahead of Jesus. They're just so busy. And the rhythms of our heart, the rhythms of our mind, the rhythms of our life, the rhythms of our priority, are at a pace that are out of sync with the unforced rhythms of His grace. And we wonder why there's a disconnect and a jaggedness in our spirit It's because God's calling us to slow down and step in rhythm with him, not in the rhythms of this world. We are transformed by renewing our mind away from the patterns of this world and what it prioritizes and what it values into the patterns of God's heart and God's kingdom. So for some of us, it's a case of shifting gears down from fifth into second and just slowing down to walk with him. Slow is smooth, Smooth is fast. So as we go through the wall, what develops in us is God breaks that, that urgency that tries to produce, that we can just put our faith and trust in Him, and we have this ability to wait and be patient. And isn't it funny that patience is a fruit of the Spirit? What is fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit is evidence of God's power moving through you. We were recently in, in Tasmania and we went to this beautiful winery. And we just watched, looked at all the vines, just like acres and acres of beautiful vines full of fruit. I knew that those plants were alive and had life flowing through them because it was evidenced by the fruit that was on the branches. Evidence of God's work inside of us is when we start to have patience in our world. It shows us that God's Spirit is alive in us. We have joy, we have long suffering. We have kindness, gentleness, we have self-control. These are the sorts of markers that identify God's power and presence moving through us. So as we go through the wall, we start to um, have a greater ability to wait for God and be patient. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Abraham waited at the wall. Age 75, given a promise to be the father of all nations. took 25 years you do the math. 75 plus 25 equals old. No offense. <laughs> Thursdays, represent. 9:30, it's going to be awesome. Um, but 75 years of age, given a promise to be the father of many nations. And he had to wait for that to happen. And it did happen. And after 25 years, they conceived a son, Isaac, who... God's people of Israel, the lineage flows through that. But if you look at the story, this is what I love about the Bible. It shows all the imperfect stuff too. It shows the humanity of people. It doesn't show the perfectness of everything that's that's easy. It just shows, hey, we are all broken. And when we take things in our own hand and out of God's hand, things get messed up. So 11 years into that prophecy, at age 76, sorry, 86, he got impatient. And so he slept with his maidservant Hagar, And she fell pregnant and gave birth to Ishmael. Now, if you follow the lineage of Ishmael, it doesn't end well. It's not a good lineage because he was impatient and didn't wait for the promise to pass. But when he did, Isaac was born and God's power and promise could flow through that. I think of also um, Moses as well. Forty years waited at the wall for the Israelites to go round and round the mountain. Here we go again to get to the promised land. So there is a waiting period, a refining process that happens that gets us through the wall, but only makes us stronger on the other side. My fourth and final point: Had enough moving through the wall. We have a greater detachment. We have a greater detachment. The wall, more than anything else, cuts off our attachments to who we think we ought to be, who we falsely think we are, and what we falsely think we need in order to be content and happy. In other words, it reorders the priorities of our heart. It helps us to confront the false realities we've been living with. It helps us to, to like Steve was saying two weeks ago, rather than look at the projection that we're putting out for everyone else to look at, we actually flip that and we look at the reflection of who we actually are. When we hit this wall of crisis, when we hit this wall of, of, of calamity or whatever it is, and tragedy, rather than project, oh, I'm awesome, God is awesome, it's great, it's so good, and we have this false sense of, we hold it to ourselves and go, God, I'm broken, I'm in desperate need of you. I'm not going to continually project myself to be something I'm not. I'm not going to put things in my life that I think are going to give me value but ultimately don't. I need to put my trust and faith and hope in you and you alone. And he starts to take those things off your life and give you freedom to move into the next stage of life he has for you, which is the journey outward. So we become detached from things. We realize that Paul was right, that godliness with contentment is actually great gain. And so we get content the fact that we have God. We have his spirit. We have his presence. We have his power. In this, layers of our counterfeit self are shed and something truer that is Christ in us and Christ through us starts to slowly form and bubble to the surface. So as we close this morning, I'm going to just wrap this up right now. Let's not forget that as we journey through the wall, We pass through this crisis of faith, this this dark night of the soul. And we emerge with a new grounded center of ourselves and of God. We rediscover God's profound, deep, accepting love for us. A deep inner stillness begins to characterize our work for God and how we view ourselves. This journey with Jesus. Calls us to a life of undivided devotion to Him, which requires us to simplify our life, removing distractions, peeling off those layers of false self. Part of that will mean learning to grieve our losses through the wall and embrace the gift. Let me say that again embrace the gift that is our limitations. And this is where we'll springboard into next week. Embracing the gift of limitations, that you and I have limits. And that's okay. Rather than try and push those out and be full of hyperfaith and and, and nonsense, let's embrace those limitations and see God do mighty work in them. But again, I'm ahead of myself. That's for next week, but...